0: This is the Internet Ballers Podcast, episode 40.
1: This is the Internet Ballers Podcast with your host, Michael Pasha, the shy for internet entrepreneurs who want to learn how uncertainty and struggle turn into confidence and success. Welcome to the Ballers Circle.
0: Thanks for listening and welcome to the Baller Circle. I'm Michael Pasha, the host of the Internet Ballers podcast, and today I'm so excited to welcome Ben Shaib from SellAndSucceed.com to the Baller Circle. Ben, I, you know, I, I really, really, uh, I'm happy to have you on the show. And, uh, you know, I, the one thing I know is that, you know, you sent me some information about yourself. I had a chance to look through your, your, um, your site, and, uh, you know, I wanted to go through a little bit of information that I found on your site that I thought was interesting. I think the Baller Circle would, would like to know about you um that i you know i know that you're uh, you're an entertaining thought provoking business consultant who is the founder of sell and succeed uh you're an expert uh sales and leadership uh person who's led teams and generate over a billion dollars in over in a 25 year career and uh yeah. and the most interesting thing is really this this eight step proprietary formula that you've created uh for authentic uh selling uh, doing authentic sales and, and closing deals. So I'm really curious about that, that eight-step process. And uh, if you can talk a little bit about what's involved in that, what are, the, what are the eight steps and how did you develop them?
2: Sure, sure. Well, I developed these eight steps over the 25 years of just working in different industries. And I found out that really there's steps that I think are essential in any sales conversation. Because a lot of people make a lot of mistakes that they think in sales, it's about the pitch, right? It's about you know how fast can i get through the pitch or you know let me show my product let me put it in front of you and me like even on the phone right now and on Skype if usually what happens is a flip chart right mm-hmm. someone's you know doing something and pitching you but the eight steps um, if you'd like me to go in detail or just line them out or i don't know how you want to go over it but to give you an idea the eight steps you know the first step is called share right because i really believe share is about listening to stories building rapport you know goal of that step is really to build trust, make a friend, show a genuine interest, you know, make them laugh. Just be able to connect with that person. Because we've all heard this term, right? It doesn't no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. Care. Right. Yeah. So share is about finding that care, finding that relatability, opening up, just getting to know the person. You know, what have you done for a living? How long you've been doing it? Tell me more about that. Really getting someone to open up and just have a conversation. That's, so that's the first step, because I don't think you can go anywhere without connecting. Mm-hmm. And then the second step of the process is what I call suitability. And suitability is all about confirming a basic need. And the goal of that step is to really see if your client qualifies for your offering. It's like, you know your offering, right? I know my offering better than anyone else. But I don't need to pitch that to my customer. What I need to know is, do they qualify for what I do? I'm the gatekeeper for what I do. And a lot of people feel like it's time to pitch, you know, after you get to know someone. No, it's time to find out, do they even have a need for what you have? Do they even qualify to hear what you have? And so it's about making sure there's a good fit because if there's not a good fit you shouldn't be selling it right you're not the perfect person for everybody and so it's really about connecting and finding that good fit so that's what you do on suitability and then you go to the third step and the third step is about significance and to me this is where you create value the next two steps is all about the value all about connecting with your client really understanding uncovering their problem um, discuss the implications of inaction if they don't take action on finding a solution. Not that you're the solution, but mm-hmm. finding a solution. So it's about having them recognize how important it is to them. What's motivating them? You know, it's questions like what's motivating you to pursue X? You know, what happens once you find this solution? What would it do for your life or your business? Really start to understand what are the implications because this is where they start building this big um, vision. They start to talk about, wow, if I found a solution that did X, like, for instance, you know, internet marketing, right? If I had a solution to give me more leads, I'd have more sales. Well, really, tell me about that. Well, I've really been having a hard time generating leads. I don't know how to do it. I don't know if to go to Google AdWords or Facebook or what I should do. And he said, okay, so what's been your biggest struggle? You're starting to dig a little deeper and really find out the significance of not having enough leads. How's it impacted them? Hmm. Said so, so if there was a solution where you could get the leads you need, what would it do for your business? This is when they start saying, oh, it would make all the difference in the world. And you start going, what do you mean by all the difference in the world? I'd make more money. How much more money? You're getting real specific now. Mm-hmm. I'd make an extra 5, 10, 20, whatever. It doesn't matter the number. This is where they build value on having a solution. And now they're like, oh, I, you know, if I had this, I'd be able to do… You know, I'd be able to, you know, get more money. You know, five thousand dollars, hire new staff, whatever the case may be. Now you're able to use this number and say, well, would that be over a year? How long you plan on being in business? Ten years? You know, what's that over ten years? So in their mind, they start to build value on a solution that you haven't even pitched yet. Hmm. They're starting to see, wow, if I had the solution, this could really change my life, which leads to the next step, which is about significant, not significance, but stretch, which is all about you know, having them imagine the possibilities once they have a solution, the impact in their lives, and I go between stretch and significance back and forth a lot because I go back to significance and said, "But if you don't find a solution, what's it costing you now? Hmm. How long have you been looking for it? Oh, well, last five years. Wow, you just said it's an extra five grand, which is how much a year they go sixty. So last five years is how much? Three hundred grand. So you lost three hundred thousand dollars for not finding that solution." They're like wow, I didn't know that. And it, that psychologically for people changes them, because I don't know. Have you ever been to Vegas? I have. <laughs> okay, people chase that dollar. Right. The dollar they just lost, they'll spend five bucks to find that dollar. Mm-hmm. I've done that. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, so, so if you know that about people, you need to help them understand. By continue to procrastinate and not find a solution, it continues to cost them money. Hmm. So now the cost of not having it far outweighs the cost of having it. Right. And this is where people really start to make the I think the mistake by not doing that. And they don't understand how to build that value because now if that customer told me it's five grand a month, sixty grand a year, and they're gonna be in business the next ten years, that's six hundred thousand dollars. So as long as my solution's less than that, they have a great return on investment. Hmm. Right. See that? So so then you go into stretch, which is helping them imagine the possibilities, and that's when you get them to really be specific to think big, imagine the future, create a vision with them, be very visceral, really get them to talk about it. But it's them talking. You'll notice that all I do is ask questions. It's getting the customer to talk because in the sales conversation, if I say it, if I say it, it's suspect. But if I get you to say it, it's true. Mm -hmm. So it really doesn't matter. So once you get after that, you go into what I call select and select is about learning about the options that they've had. You know, what have they looked at? What have they pursued in the past? What did they like most about it? You know, what didn't they like? If they could change one thing of the past that they did have, what would it be? Because what you're doing here is you're uncovering what do they really like? So your solution needs to have that and whatever they didn't have or they needed or didn't like your solution either needs to make up for that or not have those things because then that's when they start saying, Oh, okay, this makes sense. I'm really looking for a solution that has, you know, more time or one-on-one time or 24 hour tech support, whatever it is. It doesn't really matter. You're just trying to uncover what's important to them. And usually in this conversation about this far, you probably spent probably 30 or 40 minutes with them. Okay. And you're going to ask a question. This is what gets real uncomfortable for people in select is, um, Tell me, so why do you want to work with me? Hmm. What are they doing when you ask that question?
0: (laughs) They're thinking of reasons why they want to work with you.
2: That's right. Yeah. So they start selling themselves on the reasons why you're the right person. They don't even know your solution yet. Right. But they start seeding it in their own mind. And then the next step is spend, right? Spend is about identifying the financial resources, the willingness to invest. It's not to get them to invest now. It's just seeing if they have a willingness to invest in a solution. So I always use a funny math question when I talk to somebody. Once they give me what they perceive a solution's value would be, and we'll use the example that we did, which was the five grand a month, right? Once I get them to talk about that and at 60 grand a year or I ask them how long they're going to be in business, they say at least the next 10 years at 600,000, I'll ask the question. So if I was standing in front of you, right now, with six hundred thousand dollars cash, would you give me sixty thousand for me to give you six <laughs> hundred? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Right. Right. If I told you, you only had two hours to make that to make that happen, how would you do it? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> but how would you do it if you knew I had six hundred thousand dollars? I'm going to walk away. Right. What would you do to make it happen?
0: I'd borrow money from everyone, max out credit cards, take out cash advances, sell stuff. <laughs> yeah.
2: So all I'm doing is getting them to think about ways to come to a solution right. and willingness to do it. Mm-hmm. Not that that's what they need to do. Right. Not that, that my offering 60 grand. I'm just using funny math to see if they're willing to invest to get a return mm-hmm. and what their comfortable level is. Okay. And this is where I find that they start finding ways to make things happen
1: mm-hmm.
2: without me telling them how to do it. Because mm. when I put a time limit on it, guess what it just did to you? You started had to think. Right. I don't care what the answer is. I just want to know are you thinking? Mm-hmm. Are you willing to do something? It's only one time I've ever had someone say, uh, "No, actually I won't." How about you give me? <laughs> how about you give me the five hundred and forty thousand dollars and keep the sixty?
0: Right. Like, okay,
2: that's, that's not what we asked. Smart on their part, but, but it showed me that they're not really willing to do anything or they didn't believe in what they were talking about. Mm-hmm. So after spend, you know, now that you have them all up, you notice we've, we've went through these steps, right? We've asked them, you know, we've shared, which was, you know, connecting with them. Step one, suitability. Step two, seeing if they qualify. Significance, understanding their problem more. The consequences of inaction. Stretch, getting them to build this big vision, select, finding out why they want to work with you, what other options they've had in there, and then you get them to spend. Now you're getting to start. Now what's interesting is people think start is when do they want to start on the solution. And hmm. really start is confirming the intent to get to an end result. So when do you want to be at X? Whatever that solution was, whatever that end result was, whether it's earning more leads, it doesn't matter what it was. Mm-hmm. Whether it was getting your podcast live, it really doesn't matter. Whatever it was, whatever they wanted, when do they want to see themselves in that position, that end result?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: When do you think that answer is? As uh, soon as possible. soon as possible, right? <laughs> right. So here's a theory I have. We've all been on diets one time in our life. Mm-hmm. But if you ask someone to start a diet and you're talking to them on Wednesday, when do you think they're going to start their diet? Monday. Monday. That's right. They're always going to postpone. Right. If you ask them at the 15th of the month, when do you think it's going to be? (laughs) The first of the month. Okay. And if you ask them in October, it's going to be? (laughs) New Year's. Yeah, that's right. Right? That's how people are. They're always going to push off. But if you ask someone when you're talking diets, when do you want to be in the best shape of your life? When do you want to be in that outfit? When do you want to be have that six-pack? They always say, now. Right. I want it today. I want to go, you know, put microwave, beep, best shape of my life, right? That's what they want. So what you're really looking for is them to talk about when they want their end result because then in their mind, they already mentally backtracked, wow, I'm behind the eight ball. Hmm. So I need to start now. But- You're not asking them to start. You're asking when do they want the end result. Mm -hmm. Start seeing that end result. Now that you have all of this info, you're going to go back and you're going to ask them, you're going to say, I just want to make sure I understood everything. And you're going to go line by line everything that you heard from your customer, every step, everything that they shared with you, all the important information All the big dreams, the goals, the solutions, the pitfalls, what's hurt them, why they don't feel good about not having a solution, all of those things. And you ask them, Did I cover everything? Did I miss anything? Is this everything that we talked about? And if they say no, you know, I was also thinking about this, you write it down. Once you get them to say, Did I get everything? And they go, Yes. That's when you ask, Michael, do I have your permission to share with you what I do?
1: Hmm.
2: What do you think you're going to say? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's when you start now to interweave your solution to solving all their gaps and problems. What happens is they start. Oh, really? I said you remember when you talked about overcoming leads and being that concern and not knowing whether you should do AdWords or Facebook or, you know, whatever brand way that you want to get leads. Now, let me tell you what we do and the reasons why we do it and what you can get on return on investment by investing this way. Then what happens is they say, wow, this person's listened to me. They've heard me. They know what I'm really looking for. And when you're talking that way, if you slow down your speech pattern as you're giving them results, they start to get anxious and they start to go, (laughs) "Um, how do we, what's the next steps? When do we get started? Because you have now listened to them and gave them everything that they've asked for.
1: Hmm.
2: And I find out. Nine times out of 10, I don't even have to ask for the sale. They're asking me, how do I get started? Hmm. I love that. That's awesome. So those, that's how I came to the eight steps. I really, I, I started out in insurance and started learning from people what they liked and what they didn't like and looked at competing values and finding out what product works best. Can I bid for your business? Went into the design market and learned that families like to congregate. And really when they like to congregate, if you make mama happy, daddy's happy, that whole concept. Mm -hmm. So they they really like to be together. They really like to feel good. So these are things I learned throughout my years that people really, though Maslow's hierarchy of needs, applies to the sales process. Mm -hmm. It's really understanding what is the greater need of that consumer. And does your solution fulfill their need? Hmm. And if it doesn't, You've got to be honest with yourself and say, you know what? What you're looking for, I don't do, but I do know so-and-so. Hmm. Let me refer you to them. I think they're the best way that you can go. You have just added some value in someone else's life. What's going to happen is they're both going to bring value back to you. I like that.
0: And it like, always worked. Yeah, full circle. That's awesome. Yep.
2: So, so what I was
0: thinking about when you were talking about your, your steps, which I love, because it's like so one of my favorite movies is, is Inception. And I feel like your, your sales process is the inception sales process, right? It's like, instead of doing the hard pitch and short and trying to tell people what they need to think, you're kind of, pl- you know, secretly planning the idea in their head and they're, they're kind of coming up with the, with the answers on their own. Yeah. Um, so then that way they don't think it originated with you. Cause like you said, if, if they thought, if you tell them, they're not going to believe you, but if they come up with it Absolutely. on their own, then they will. But I'm thinking about like, okay, cause initially I'm thinking, okay, this works. I guess you how this works really well in a one-on-one conversation with someone in person. But can this also be leveraged for like a like online sales funnel? I'm, I'm thinking of like you know how, how how would this work on a capture page? How would this work on you know some uh, Facebook ad or something like that?
2: Well, I, I think what's going to happen on a capture page, a Facebook ad, or anything on a sales letter. What you need to understand is you need to create your avatar first. Mm-hmm. So when you're writing. You're writing directly to that person, your avatar, your ideal customer. And you're writing the questions that, you know, have you ever wondered X? You know, you know, what would a solution like this do for you? And have them answer it in the reading. Mm-hmm. So you're starting to build value. What's going to happen is you're not going to be able to see the facial expressions and the nuances, but you're speaking to your avatar. That's the key. Only the people... That are qualified for what you offer will actually buy. Mm-hmm. But I thought you were gonna go another direction. How are you do it in an audience? I've always done it in a big audience, which I've done this whole pitch up from a stage with you know a hundred people, and thirty-three to forty percent of the room closes. Hmm. Because what I do is when I get into the significance, I talk about into to the audience. I go, so if you had a solution that did X, what would it do for your business? Mm-hmm. And I just go through, what would it do for you? What would it do for you? What would it do for you? And they start talking, and it starts building value in the room. So when I pick someone, if they had a low value, they immediately went up because they didn't want to be low. Hmm. Right? Okay. Right. And then what happens is it starts elevating the value in the room, and then I pick a number that's the lowest in the group, mm-hmm. and everyone says, oh, yeah, of course. It would at least do that. <laughs> then what happens is it built so much value in the room that the only ones that don't buy are the ones that didn't believe in the value that they can get to. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that. That's awesome. So yeah. let's,
0: let's talk a little bit about like, you know, your, your, your earlier times, your struggles, right? Because you, oh. you know, now you understand the sales process, but I'm, yep. I'm sure in order to get there, you had to fail a lot. You had to struggle, you had to, you know, had some rough times. What, what was that like? And, and, you know, can you talk a lot of, a little bit about like, how you, um, I guess, what, what kind of breakthroughs you have or you kind of had those aha moments where you started to figure out different parts and pieces of this eight-step strategy that you now have that works?
2: Well, I always say the <clears throat> the numbers don't lie. Mm-hmm. People do. So in the earlier part of my career, I thought, you know what? I'm so great. People just love me. I'm so charismatic. Oh, I could one for one. <laughs> you know, every person I've talked to is going to close, Right at just that's how it's going to be in the insurance business and I didn't realize that sometimes when I go knock on the door they go pull through the shades and look and close it because they didn't want to talk to me <laughs> and that really hurt my ego because I didn't understand how to monetize my my momentum which is about learning that every conversation every attempt had a dollar value to it, mm-hmm. it took me a while so I mean I had to learn the hard way that I had to get through the numbers I had to go through the numbers. I had to go out there and knock a bunch of doors. I had to talk to a lot of people to really understand what drove them to make a decision. Mm -hmm. So I like that. And I need to learn to shut up. Hmm. And that's what I think. I went like everyone does, pitch. Let me present. And then I learned that when I go to a restaurant, do I want someone presenting something to me or asking me a question? When I go buy something, do I want someone throwing it in my face or asking me my needs? Mm-hmm. And I started learning that when I made buying decisions, it was based on people taking, you know, looking at what I genuinely wanted versus telling me what was good for me. Mm-hmm. And so I just reversed engineered that for myself. But it was hard at first. Okay, It took some years.
0: So what do you say to, let's uh, say, someone someone who's, uh, they're, you know, they're going through this process or they're struggling. They feel like they've uh, kind of tried tried everything. What do you do uh, to stay motivated? How do you keep yourself uh, from getting uh, caught in that like uh, you know negative mindset traps?
2: Okay, so I really focus on monetizing my my momentum. Okay, so let me talk about that. So let's just suppose we're going to talk about a fictitious. Uh, uh, we're going to talk about a character that says that their product. When they earn a commission, it's $1,000, okay? They earn a commission off their sale of their product. It's $1,000. What a lot of people do is they look at that and say, wow, I'm looking for a yes because a yes means Mm $1,000. That's what they think. They think, I need the yes. So I've learned that I needed to emotionally detach myself from an outcome and not look at the yeses and start looking at the conversations. So I'm going to give you an exercise that I've used but I'm going to come back to what I mean by monetizing momentum. Okay. All right. So you have a deck of cards? Um, no. <laughs> no? Nope. Unfortunately not. Okay. okay. So anyone out there that has a deck of cards, how many aces in a normal deck of cards? Uh, four. Four. Uh-huh. Four aces. Guaranteed four aces in a normal deck of cards. Guaranteed four. Not three, not five, but four. So what I look at it is four aces are your four clients in a deck of 52. Mm-hmm. So I tell people, shuffle that deck. And then I want them to flip the card over and any time an ace comes up, say what number ace that is. Like if it's the sixth card, you know, ace equals number six. Mm-hmm. If it's the twelfth card, ace equals number 12. But I told, tell people, check your emotions, I've done this on stage, I've done it with just group. I said I want you to see how you feel, watch what you're doing, and I have an audience watching too. What usually happens is if they go in, they go flip, flip, they're happy. Five, six cards, they're happy. Ten, and they don't see the ace. They Two things happen. I stop them because I can see the forehead go up and eyes <laughs> crunch. And they're, I'm like, what's going on right now? Like, they're like, where's the ace? So they doubt. But I said, you're guaranteed for." So why are you doubting? Mm-hmm. I want it to come now. Ah, so it's on your expectations, not on the... Deck's expectations, mm-hmm. so you have you setting these expectations up. So I said, keep flipping. When I get an ace, I go, ha! Finally an ace. And I said, your emotions changed. Go again. And if they flip two cards, another ace comes up. They get really excited. Mm-hmm. I got another ace. But what happens is, so their their emotional uh, well being is based on when that ace came up. Mm-hmm. But if you're guaranteed four in that fifty-two, it shouldn't matter if it's the first card or the fifty-second card. You're guaranteed the number, So that's, that's the reason why I said you need to know your numbers. So when I talk about monetizing your momentum, go back to that $1,000 example. If it took 10 conversations to get to one sale, we think one sale is $1,000. Mm-hmm. But how about if you flipped it and said each conversation was worth $100? Hmm. So, what happens is you start getting excited about having a conversation, not about the result. Because if I followed you right now out of your house, we went anywhere, and I said, I would pay you $100 just to talk about your product to anybody. I don't care if they said, go skip rocks. I don't care what they say. Would you do it? Yeah. <laughs> How many people would you talk to? Everyone I could. Everyone you could, right? Yeah. But so, why does it change when you know that's your number? That when you start getting no's, you stop.
0: I, I think I think that happens for a number of reasons. I mean, I think one, it's uh, it's just it's emotionally hard, right, to get that no mm-hmm. and, and to get shut down. <laughs> and 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 like you said about the aces, like you don't know when that yes is coming, and you feel like the more no's you get, you feel like the yes is never going to come.
2: Yeah, but in reality, if you're guaranteed the yes, if you understand your numbers, mm-hmm. that's the reason why I tell people go have a hundred conversations before you grade your numbers. Mm-hmm. Just go have them. Don't worry about the outcome. Just go have them. and See what happens. And anyone that's ever had 100 conversations has significantly increased their, their income. Significantly. Because they had the bravery to go have the 100, right? But what happens is once you understand your number, you will never get depressed again. You, you'll go through struggles. But you know for me, before I get in, I, I'm a big hip-hop guy put on the music, you know, I get into my state, get the swagger going, and I go for it, right? Oh, awesome. (laughs) That's what it does for me. Yeah. Every one of us is different. So I said, whatever gets you in that state that you have swagger, that you have confidence, before you go out there and start talking to people, do that first. If it's meditation, wonderful. If it's swimming, great. If it's a workout, wonderful. It's listening to classical, theme music, hip-hop, rock, country. It doesn't matter. What gets you there? That's what you need to do before you get on the call. Mm-hmm. And then I've learned that if you do that, nothing can stop you, especially when you start thinking every conversation has a dollar value. Mm-hmm. But you need to figure out what dollar value you're willing to do it for. So for you, we said 100, you do it. How about if it was $50, how many people would you talk to?
0: Still everyone I could. $20. <laughs> Still everyone I could. $10. Uh, see, <laughs> doesn't
2: matter what they say
0: at, at $10 it depends on how densely populated the area is that I'm in <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
2: that's good so so now you start to think about you, you start finding out what your barrier is and where your number is yeah. and that's what you focus on and I used to say it depends what you're in right? when I was in uh, I started out in network marketing and I did great in, a, in the insurance industry early on that's where I started hmm. and what I found out was my number you know, I said, okay, I'm, I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to do as many conversations as I can go for. And I started just looking. When I talked to someone, they said, I'm not interested. I said, well, thank you for the $50. And they look at me and go, what do you mean? I said, I my company pays me regardless of what you say. They go, really? How do I get a job like that?
1: <laughs>
2: and, I, and, I, and then I have to share with them why my mindset was that way. And they got really excited about that because there's always value in a conversation. Right. It's just... They personally didn't do it, but when you do the collective conversation, there's where the value comes from.
0: Right, right. I like that. That's awesome. So I know, uh, Ben, I know another thing about you that's really important that I want to get into in this is that you have, is it six children?
2: Six and the seventh is on the way.
0: Seventh is on the way. Okay. So that's awesome. So you you have, you're a family man. How do you manage having a large family
2: and running a business? You just got to do it. No, I mean- It's, um, well, well, we have a great household that collectively works at it. Mm -hmm. My kids have joined me on appointments. Right now they're out doing their events and everything, but they'll join me and do the things with me. I I have them part of the process. Mm -hmm. You know, they'll come up and I got a big whiteboard, which you can't see here, which has all my client names, people I'm working with. And they get to write the names down. and have them participate in part of the process. So when they see dad's working or on calls or, or doing an interview or doing something, they know there's a greater purpose. And we do we do games with it, right? You know, my son wants to play football. My daughter wants to do acting. And say, okay, how much is that class? So how many conversations does dad need to have for you to go to that class? And so what happens? They're like, dad, you're not having enough conversations <laughs> with that class. So so we we all become part of the process, and that's what makes it fun. But it's um, I, I think it. You got to be real disciplined with your time. You just got to make time. You have the same 24 hours I do. And I've learned that it's just what we choose to do with that time. Right. You know, if people say, I love my TV shows, like, wonderful. Do it while you're riding a bike, walking, <laughs> or something. You have a phone, do it then. Right. Do it when you're sitting on the toilet. Do it somewhere where you're not wasting time. Right. Right. And, and I think you just got to take advantage of every nuance of time that you have. Hmm. And with, uh, Six kid and seventh on the way, gotta do that. <laughs>
0: so what kind of schedules
2: do you keep? What's your what's your typical day like? Um I'm usually up at five AM. Okay. Um up at five AM, get up, get my coffee going, um, have my coffee, and then I get into exercise, right? Every morning I get into my exercise, get my my routine, then I meditate. Um, you know, I really that miracle morning, I don't know if you've heard that. I have. I haven't oh. read it though, so I have to yeah, it's on my great. list yeah great great book uh really believe in the savers and um and really focus on that in my first hour in the morning Mm -hmm. you know when i have somewhere i've got to be earlier then i wake up earlier okay no matter what i get that part of my life for me before anyone else wakes up Mm -hmm. so make that part then we get the kids off ready to school um and then I take my first client calls and or see my clients no earlier than 10 a.m. Hmm. You know That's when I have my first client call. It's just my schedule. If a client can't make that work, I keep my time sacred, And I know I'm good at what I do, hmm. so they're going to come to my time, my schedule. And I'm right. not going to because time I've compromised myself, I've never been happy. I've either got the job and I didn't like it or I, didn't, I wasn't happy with how I compromise myself to get there. Hmm. Okay. So I try to really protect that time.
1: Right.
0: I like that. So I guess then, another, another, I'm yeah, sorry, go ahead.
2: Go ahead. Yep. And then the rest of the day is between client meetings, I go out and do prospecting, work on content and pick up kids from schools and practices and all of those things. I'm um, We have dinner together. You know, we try to make sure we always have dinner together as a family and (laughs) as they get ready to do their things and get ready for showers and beds and everything then I'll get back and do a little bit more work in the evening. Mm -hmm. So how much sleep do you typically get? I make sure I get no less than seven hours of sleep. Okay. I used to now, mind you, I would tell you, I felt like it was a badge of honor to survive off three hours of sleep Mm -hmm. because that's what I did. And I've learned very quickly that you know, at my age, you're getting older, it's just stupid. Mm-hmm. And so I just say, you know what? The reality is I can get to sleep. It just needs to be my priority. So instead of watching a show, I get to sleep. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to watch the show, like if, I, if it's that important to me or listen to a podcast or anything, I do it when I'm on my run, on my bike, something. I do it while I'm doing another activity, never by itself. Right.
0: So chunking your activities together and uh, making sure that you're multitasking, yeah, I, I've 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 started doing the same thing, and it really helps a lot with, uh, especially especially activities where you have the capacity to do other things like driving and you know like you mentioned running, cleaning up whatever. Uh yep. So yeah, that's great. That's great. I love I love that. Uh, so I guess one other question that I have for you uh, before we go because I don't want to take up too much of your time. I know you're a busy guy with uh, with your business and kids and everything else. Um, is Uh, You know, running a successful business, uh, being an expert in sales, um, I'm curious to know, um, has there ever been a point where you felt like you wanted to quit?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Seven times a year at least. (laughs) So I'll tell you, so I started out working independently as a network marketer. Mm -hmm. Then I went from there to a corporate job. And then I went back to network marketing. Then I went to an independent contractor. Then I went back to the corporate job as an executive and had an incredible career as a VP of sales and marketing, okay. right? Then I said, you know what, I want to do something for myself. And then I went and launched my company. Every place I've been, I've at least wanted to quit half a dozen times a year.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And the reason why I learned from me is either I wasn't liking what I was doing or I was dissatisfied with my accomplishments and so feeling like I wanted to quit was a natural thing but I never quit Hmm. okay so it's a different that feeling I think we need to own it you're going to feel that way and if anyone tells you they don't feel that way they're full of shit you're (laughs) always going to you are going to feel like giving up but it's when you I, I say there's two kinds of people in the world there are those that hate to lose and those that love to win. Hmm. Now I have a philosophy about you need them both if you're building a team and building a company. But your hate to lose are people that will fight and grind it out,
1: mm-hmm.
2: right? They never want to be. The, they are the black sheep. They fight it out. They just grind. They they they're the underdogs or the ones that love that kind of movie. They just they they love the underdog story. They like the grind, right? I think Gary talks about that fight, right? That climb. Mm-hmm. Gary Vaynerchuk. So that person right there is who I am. Just that, like grinding it out. I'm never going to quit. Okay. I mean, I've got a broke two legs on a military jump and still went, you know, five miles into a rendezvous point just because <laughs> that's who wow. I am. You know, I always say there's a fine line between stupid and gung ho, and I crossed it. Mm-hmm. And so the love to win people only like to participate in things that they can win at, they're cheerleaders. They're the ones that when the end of the month is coming and you're not meeting your goals, they go, ah, you know what? Next month I'll do it, <laughs> right? And they because they only want to win. Hmm. So you have we all have that in our personality, but I think you need to have the hate to lose a little bit to be willing to fight through hmm. and just persevere. Um, There's so many stories in you know Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill that talks about I think it's the Darby's right the the gold mining and you know, being two feet away from gold and we've seen the caricature, caricatures of people, you know, mining for diamonds and it was a thin wall and they turned around and stopped. You see the diamonds on the other side, right? I right, right, yeah. always believe success is that close and I believe Murphy's Law works against me that if I don't do it, it was right there. Mm-hmm. So I just got to do it. And I've always been, by doing that, have always been uh, rewarded for perseverance mm-hmm. and being persistent. I like that. That's
0: awesome. Well, Ben, uh, I really enjoyed this conversation. I have learned a lot about, about selling myself. I, I got to learn how to inception people. That's going to be a, a strategy I'm definitely going to borrow. Uh, and yeah, and, and, and I love the, the two categories you broke out about, you know, people that love to hate, uh, not love to hate, people that, love to, to, that hate to lose and people that love to win. Uh, and how you need to have both of those. Because I, I never really thought about it that way, but that's a really good way to, uh, to think about it. And I, I guess I have to do some self-analysis to figure out at which stages throughout the day, throughout the year, am I in which category and what's really motivating yeah. me. That's, that's good. Um, so before we close out, I want to know, how can the Baller Circle get in touch with
2: you and learn more about your business? All right, so we can do two things. Um, they can get in touch with me by sending an email to info at... Sellandsucceed.com, or they can just uh, go straight to the website, sellandsucceed.com. Okay. You know, so they can do that. And what I will do is, if they go to the website, there's an ability to get the map, what we did, what I just talked to you about, the mm-hmm. eight steps, that people can just download it for free. Oh, awesome. And they have the ability to download it, walk them through it through the eight steps. So they can just use it as a great, how should I say, um, a great tool to keep them on path in the conversations.
0: Awesome. Well, that'll be a great tool because it's uh, definitely some steps I I didn't think about and uh, definitely be using. So thanks a lot, Ben. I really appreciate the time.
2: Absolutely. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Thank you.
0: That's our show for today. As usual, thanks for listening. Next week will be the January monthly roundup episode where I'll be discussing my major takeaways from all of the interviews of the month of January. You can check out the show notes for this episode as well as listen to other episodes of the Internet Ballers podcast at internetballers.com. Again, I'm Michael Pasha, and happy marketing.
1: Thanks for listening to the Internet Ballers podcast. Through our guest stories, you will learn the path to go from struggling entrepreneur to internet buller. We'll see you on the next episode.